Hi, I'm Reg Harbin, and today I'm here with Lynn uh, Santa Lucia, my friend and colleague, who is the Chief Technology Officer at Viacom Infinity, a converged company. Uh, and, you know, if you're on the mainframe, if there's one person you're likely to know, it's probably Lynn. He seems to have the biggest, as, as we like to say, those of us who've been around for a while, the biggest Rolodex in the world of mainframe. Um, so, Len, tell us about yourself. How did you end up on the mainframe? Oh, interesting story. But, uh, you know, um, when I, I, I was born and raised in the hometown of IBM, Endicott, New York. Mm. That's where IBM incorporated in 1914. And um, when my family uh, migrated from Italy, in the early 1900s, they came to work in the Endicott area because there was a shoe company by the name of Endicott Johnson Shoe Company there. They employed almost 30,000 people. And my grandparents were all leather craftsmen, and that's where you went to work when you came from uh, Italy, if you were a leather craftsman. And as time went on, uh, Endicott Johnson Shoe Company declined in employment because the imports were... Um, starting to take toll on them. And, but then a uh, fellow by the name of Thomas J. Watson Sr. decided mm. to start a company and, uh, in Endicott to draw from that labor force. And um, he incorporated three companies together in 1914, calling it International Business Machines because they opened up an office in Toronto, so it made them international. And, uh, so in 1936, my grandfather went to work for IBM, mm. my father in 1950, and then me in 1978. Wow. And uh, so it's kind of a long story, but in the rest is history. I've been involved mm. with it ever since. So now you started out your mainframe career in 1978 in IBM. And uh, what did you do in IBM for how long? Well, I started out as a, uh, what was then called a PSR, a program support rep at level two and level T, uh, three support for uh, operating systems that are still around today. Uh, first started out with BSE, then went to VM, and then went to MBS, uh, which is now ZOS. And uh, what after doing that for a while, for the first four or five years, uh, su supporting clients remotely, um, I had an opportunity to move into uh, marketing uh, in the lab of what was then new mainframes known as the 9370 and the mm -hmm. 4381 in, in the 1983-84 timeframe. And, uh, started traveling around making presentations at the briefing center and then down and around the wall street area because it was not too far away about three four hour ride and before i knew it i was starting to be uh, asked to come on to uh, the uh, marketing and sales staff teams uh, down in new york and it was a very good thing to do actually for my career. I didn't realize that at the time. And before I knew it, I was uh, involved with a lot of very large mainframe opportunities uh, in and around Wall Street. 
a lot. I, I, I became associated with Wall Street financial firms that everybody knows that are still there today. Mm. And uh, that's how it all and it's kept evolving and evolving and evolving. And eventually when our kids uh, graduate from college, it got to the point that I was going down to New York so much. My wife said, let's sell the house and let's go live in Manhattan. So then we moved hmm. and lived, moved into Manhattan. We had a ball and wow. uh, it, it was a very good thing before I knew it. Our kids did the same thing because they enjoyed Manhattan, got their own apartments. And my son's still living there on East 26th oh. Street. Yeah, he's still there. And But my daughter has moved on to a, a professor position over near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, which is a very far from Manhattan. And uh, but I, and my office is still in Manhattan. I go there all the time uh, for meetings and uh, and then also out and around the streets of Manhattan, meeting with clients. I want to say that I have always been impressed with Manhattan. You know, I, I reached the conclusion early on that you could live a whole life in Manhattan and do something different each day. Oh, for your whole life is just so much. I recommend it to everybody. You know, uh, people at my age and uh, are really doing it. Uh, it's been a little disrupted with COVID, but uh, mm. a lot of people our age, when you know, become empty nesters, say, "Let's go do this. Let's have some fun." Mm. So instead of driving a Mercedes off the cliff every year with college tuition, we decided to do the same thing for our rental of our place. <laughs> Because it is a little expensive. It's it's not for the faint of heart, but oh. what the heck? We enjoyed it very much. Oh, it is expensive. I, I remember uh, a previous job where I traveled a whole lot. And uh, whenever I would go to Manhattan, you know, I could almost be guaranteed the folks at expenses would call me on the carpet for how expensive my hotel was. It's it's not oh. cheap, but it's so cool. I had such a uh, high expense report every week because of the you know, going down on Monday, going going back home on Friday, and mm. staying in a hotel all the time. You know, it's hundreds of dollars a night. You know, to stay yeah. in, yeah, in, and especially around yeah. the holidays, it's even you, it wouldn't be mm. hard to spend a thousand dollars a night for a hotel room mm. around holiday time. You know, yeah. So that said, now somewhere in this time between 1978 and current present day, you moved on from IBM. Uh, what was that all about? Well, I, I was with IBM for 31 years, uh, I 78 till almost 2009. I, I say 31, but it's like 30 and three quarters, September mm. of 2008. And um, after I uh, did that, I uh, came right to work for us when I, I retired. I, I was eligible ah. to really retire. And... Um, it was an opportunity to come to work here at, at uh, Viacom Infinity. And I've been here since then, you know, it's almost 15 years here. Hmm. And uh, it was, you know, I was young to retire. I, I think, you know, 55 years old was kind of a young time to retire. And I wanted to do oh, some yeah. more, you know, and I had had a lot of, uh, and the opportunity was very nice to become a CTO and leave on a great hmm. note with IBM. Uh, you know, because I, I was eligible to retire, and I still work very closely with IBM as an IBM business partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're an IBM Platinum business partner, so I, it's like as if I never really left. Everybody tells me I work so closely with the, with the IBM teams, and um, uh, then uh, in October of last year, we were acquired 
by converged technology solutions where converged technology solutions is uh, based in Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know if you knew that, Brett. And uh, which I, 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 I didn't either till I, and it was all new to me. And um, so we've been part of the company. We we're like acquisition number 20 something, or in, uh, 21, mm. 22. And since we've been here, the, the company has acquired now many more companies. Uh, and um, I think they're over 30 now. And, and uh, the company is growing in, in a way where they are really buying the, the best that they can find in the area of technology that they want to invest into. Uh, and so we're, we're really made up of uh, a lot of great technologies all under one roof. Uh, we are the mainframe division, or shall I call it, or department, whatever you want to use, of uh, Converge. And um, that really is nice because a lot of the people who have accounts uh, that had mainframes in them now have someone on the team who understands the mainframe uh, as well as we do. You know, we're a very mm -hmm. seasoned group of sales and technology, technical sales people. Uh, we also are involved with uh, IBM uh, storage systems, you know, the DS uh, and the ESS and, um, sorry about that. I didn't know, I didn't know somebody would be calling me. And um, the, uh, um, and then as far as uh, uh, a, a nice set of services teams that we have put in place all, all in around the, these, te these technologies. So we're, we're a very complete unit and very, very well known in this business. But been in existence since the, the early 1990s. As I met our owner, Tom Amodio, back in, um, the 1996 timeframe, mm. he was just starting off the, the company himself, one, one, one person. And then eventually uh, we were in front of a company presenting together and he asked if I would work along with him to help him get into some other IBM companies. And I said, absolutely, because what he was doing was very complimentary to what I was doing and vice versa. And then once he got started, we would divide and conquer. And uh, lo and behold, the company grew to what it is. And then when I became eligible for retirement, uh, Tom spoke to me and says, I want you to keep on going for a little while with us. And mm. well, I didn't think it was going to be this long, but I, I, and I'm still going. <laughs> I don't mind at all. I really enjoy what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, uh, it's never been a better time to be involved with the mainframe. It's definitely just... Anybody that follows it will know how, how powerful this uh, system is. And there's just nothing else like it in the world. Nothing. It is so true. You know, and as, as we were chatting before we started the recording, you know, I'm talking about how I think that the, the Z16 or Z16, as they say, south of the border, um, is, is the greatest computer ever created, you know, until the next one comes along. Um, I said that to one of my mainframe colleagues, and he said, actually, it was a system 360 that was the greatest computer ever created. And I think both statements are correct because of course the beauty of it is that the, the Z16 is you know, the same computer, uh, just elaborated further. And, and so it's just so exciting to be part of that greatest computer on earth and that, that ecosystem. 
Well, you know, with it getting its start in the lab that I sat in, in Endicott was building 32, built in 1932. It's the very first lab IBM ever built. Thomas oh. Watson Sr. sat in that lab. In my office, My we, it became a sales office after a while. It's still there uh, on North Street in Endicott. And my office was literally direct diagonally across from where Watson sat. And I, you could see wow. his, uh, his image carved into the mahogany wall and mm. the state, the, his, his uh, statements that he made about think and other things mm. carved into right next to his uh, figure in the wall. And, um, you know, that in, in 1964, April 7th, 1964 is when the right. system 60 was uh, announced. And uh, when it was announced, I was 10 and a half years old. And my father and grandfather took me to the announcement and I touched the first system 360 that was used wow. to show the families about that were, you know, worked in the factory and everything helped put it together it was a family day type of thing. And it was, I don't remember much, you know, what you remember much when you were 10 years old, not too much. Right. But uh, mm. I can remember my father. Yeah. I got mad at me. He says, don't touch, don't touch. <laughs> <laughs> That is so, so cool. I, so now, as far as the, the technology, I, I, I get the sense that you supported it, um, but that you moved into sort of a, a more responsible role before having to immerse yourself too much in, in the weeds of the technology. But you seem to have a really good understanding of it. How did that happen? Well, you know, I, I don't. I didn't really have it planned this way, but it can, mm. the way the cookie crumbled, as I like to say, is, you know, with that, with that background of, of support when I was that PSI role and having to really understand how the system worked and understand the internals of the operating systems and, and get people out of problems and, you know, fix things. And, you know, I had to work in a, a PL1 assembler uh, language. I had to work in, uh, COBOL uh, and mm. and that knowledge base you know it, it was good I, I was a business major and it was good that I had this exposure um, because it was my computer courses at in college at Binghamton University that got me the job at IBM mm -hmm. uh, and um, they didn't even pay attention to my business courses so, you know i had a, i had to take electives so i took a, a computer electives i had i i think i took apl assembler um some fortran i even did a little rpg and cobol just cuz i had to oh. take one every every time but all the rest were business courses you know personnel management you know accounting and a couple other things oh, and it's then so funny cuz that, that's the right way to do it. You know, so many of our colleagues, they learn technology, spend the five year, first five years in their job doing technology, and they get moved into management and they have no training in business. Oh, man. And then, and then what happened was with all that uh, knowledge that I had coming into the job, and then I saw the business opportunities in and around, which is where I got involved with the marketing and sales stuff with the Wall Street clients. When I went and talked to customers, I noticed that my colleagues at IBM did not have that same background that I did. So when I was there I, and I saw, well, I have to get back to you. And I go, why do you have to get back to them? I know the answer. And they looked at me kind of funny and would say, but you're a sales guy. I said, well, 
I'm a sales guy, but I have the background. Let me let me explain. Mm -hmm. And by the time I was done, the word started getting around. This San Lucia kid really knew uh, a lot of good things, and it gave them an edge in the Wall Street area mm -hmm. that that competitors didn't have with myself and a couple other guys. So that lab background coupled with the business background and getting involved with the sales and supporting of clients, uh, both sales-wise and technical-wise, was, um, you know, just something that really developed into what, to, even to this day, I still value that, that programming background because you really understand it, uh, both from a business and a technical perspective. Cool. Now, I, I see by my clock that your time is just about out. Um, I'd be glad to chat longer. I don't want to resume on your time, but... Uh... Assuming that you do sort of have a bit of a hard stop, maybe uh, could you have any uh, closing thoughts for us, including how you see the future of the mainframe ecosystem and, and how you intend to make that happen? <laughs> well, um, with the things that are going on with the mainframe today, um, it's new security capabilities, it's new capabilities around uh, containers, it's new capabilities around hyper protections, uh, encryption, all, all, the, all these new things that are integral part. And now, especially with the Z16, having the uh, artificial intelligence acceleration unit mm. built into the, the core of the system really places this system uh, way out in front of anything else. There's nothing that comes, comes close to it, is my humble opinion. And I really believe that there is just nothing else out there that, that comes close to this mainframe kit and what it can do for the world today. You know, if you think of it this way, turn off Google, turn off Facebook, turn off Instagram, uh, turn off any of these social media offerings that are out there today and the world will keep on running, right? You might have to get out of your chair to go down to the store to buy something instead of buying it through Amazon. Uh, you might have to learn the Dewey Decimal System, go to a library and look something else mm -hmm. instead of doing a Google search. But the world would keep on functioning. Mm -hmm. Turn off all the mainframes in the world. And you better go find a bunker to hide on inside of because mm -hmm. airplanes would fall out of the sky. They couldn't land or take off or it would fall out. Um, you, the financial systems would crash. You couldn't use your credit cards. Health systems would crash. The world would be Armageddon. And, you know, a lot of times you hear people say, you know, that the, there are uh, uh, competitive alternatives that say, oh, we're just like a mainframe. Uh, we, we're, we're mainframe like, we're just like a mainframe. My, my answer back to them is says, let me ask you this. When your child gets sick, you take it to someone that's like a doctor or someone that is a doctor. Mm. And, and they sit back and they, what do you mean? What do you mean? And I start explaining to them an hour later, going through all these capabilities <laughs> of what it can do. And they, they, they're, they're amazed. And a lot of people mm -hmm. that are making these claims are just never had the luxury and privilege that I had uh, to be able to grow up through this world of mainframe. Uh, it's, it's uh, now, I take it upon myself being involved with the academic initiative with IBM and other programs like that and the open mainframe project. As you know, I'm the chair 
of the governing board of the Open Mainframe Project for just these very reasons to uh, help carry on the legacy that I was so fortunate to be a part of. And I plan to keep doing it for as long as uh, my health allows me to. That is excellent. You know, and I think it's such a great role model because this is, I think, one of the things we're starting to discover in the mainframe. You know, 18 years ago, I wrote a white paper about the need to get a new generation on the mainframe. Well, the world of the mainframe hasn't fallen apart, even as we've been absolutely molasses slow about filling in a generation, partly because it turns out that being a mainframer does not break you down like most careers do. Most mainframers who are in the 60s and 70s are just at peak, you know, and it's so interesting how many of our colleagues, you know, are moving straight into their 80s and still fully functional as, as you know, some of the very best mainframers because they have retirement, ret retirement. Reg is not the same when my father and grandfather retired. They worked a long time. They worked for mm -hmm. over 40. My grandpa was like 45 years. My father was like 45 years, 42 years, something like that. And, you know, I thought, oh, I was going to do the same thing, you know, 30, 40 years. But, you know, when you reach the retirement age and then you start looking around, what are you going to do with yourself? And, yeah. uh, there's a, how much golfing and playing cards and <laughs> of that kind of can you do after a while you got to have some kind of purpose and you you worked all your life to get to the point and do the accomplishments that you uh, made why not share it with some others who they so that you can help them and at the same time you're helping the community and the mm. world at large right i mean you, yeah. you agree with it i i think Absolutely. you agree with it Right. I know well, you and I are involved in a lot of the same things for the same reasons, you know, and, and I, I know you, you are such a great role model for so many of us because you show not only that it's possible, but it's a good idea. Yeah, I think so. And thank you very much for the compliments. I appreciate that very much. Very, very kind of you. Uh, Len, I, I, I could, you know, we, we could talk for days, definitely. Uh, and I look forward to, you know, next opportunities to converse, but I certainly appreciate you taking too much time for this interview uh, to, to really get a sense of who you are and, and who, who is this person who seems to know everybody in the world of mainframe. Um, it's, it's been a real pleasure. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. And uh, you know, for anybody out there that might be listening to this, you know, feel free always to reach out to me anytime. I'd be glad to talk with you and uh, answer any questions you might have or looking for any kind of direction you might need. Awesome, thank you. I'll be back with another podcast next month, but in the meantime, check out the other content on Tech Channel. You can also subscribe to their weekly newsletters, webinars, ebooks, solutions directory, and more on the subscription page. I'm Reg Hardeck.